If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Acts? All right, so Acts, first book after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you hit Romans and the Corinthian bros, you've gone too far, go back. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, if you do not have a Bible this morning, just raise your hand. Tom's in the back here. He'll gladly bring you one. If you're on a device, we will be reading from the ESV this morning. Just a quick recap for those of you who may be new with us today. This is, uh, this is week four in our series through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts was written by Luke, an apostle of Jesus. And just like our series title suggests, the church that Jesus builds is an account of what the first church looked like. So what were its characteristics? How was it being built up? Who was it made up of? These are, all, these are all questions that the book of Acts answers for us. Last week we saw that by the power of the Spirit and through Peter's teaching that many repented of their sin and were baptized and were added to the family of God. It says that about 3,000 souls were added to the church. This week, we will look at what it means to be grafted into the family of God and in a community of believers. Basically, okay, now what? What do we do as the church? What are the things that the church should be devoted to? So I'm, I'm at this point in my life, it's kind of a weird point in my life, where a lot of, a lot of my friends have left the church. So left the faith. I'm talking about friends that have, that have been in the faith for many, many years. Maybe some of you experienced that too. Friends that uh, have left, stepped out of ministries, and have just decided that this is not for them anymore. And it's a really sad reality for me, but a common thread that runs through the conversations that I so often have is that it's not because the church that they were going to didn't have enough events or programs or that they, they didn't like the coffee that the coffee shop used in the church or, or that they didn't like the music that the band played. It's, it's some of that, I hear those things, but what it really boils down to as you talk through these things with them is that it just didn't feel like real church. It just felt, it felt fake. They just wanted someone to pray with them, someone to meet with them for dinner and hear about the struggles that they were going through and pray for them in those. They just wanted someone to open up this book every weekend and to just say what it says and to not preach their political agenda from the platform every week. They just, they just wanted real church. Today we're gonna to look at a passage that is just that. We're gonna look at how God uses simple, ordinary means of grace to bring about his extraordinary plans, which we call his church. And what I mean by ordinary means of grace is that there's nothing flashy about the things that the church has been called to do. There's nothing really overly crazy. There's devotion to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and that which he has given to us to love him and love one another. So if you're not already there, would you join me? Acts 2, 42 through 47, and follow along as I read. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the very word of God, church. Would you pray with me one more time that the Holy Spirit would do a work in us to teach this morning? Father, we praise you. We praise you for this morning and for your word that has been given to us. And we ask now that you would open our minds to receive its truth and soften our hearts to believe it. This is a work that can only be done by the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. So Father, convict our hearts where they need convicted. Encourage our hearts where they need encouraged. And assure our hearts that we are a part of your body this morning. We pray this in Christ's glorious name. Amen. Well, the first thing I would like to start off looking at here is, is who is they in this text? All right, so it says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, so who is this they that is being talked about? Well, if you were here last week, you would have heard Matt preach on this. And if we go back into verse one of this chapter, then we'll see it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now verse five, the they who are them. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And it goes on to say that these men were bewildered that these Galileans were speaking to them all in their own languages. So bewildered that some of them actually refuse to believe that it's the Holy Spirit. And they say that they are all drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning. And Peter says, no, these, these men are not drunk. They are filled with the Spirit. And by that same Spirit, he then proclaims the gospel to them and he calls them to repent and be baptized in the name of Christ. So why, why is this important? Why is it important that we know who they are? It's important because of the word that comes next, because of the word devoted. And they devoted these men and women who are being saved are religious. They are devout Jews. They know the scriptures probably better than most of us do. And what this tells us then is that there is a stark difference between being religious and being devoted to Jesus Christ. That just knowing the truth, knowing the facts of scripture is not where our Christianity finds its grounding but being purchased by the blood of Christ, inhabited by the Holy Spirit is. And he leads us to a life of devotion to God and to one another. He defines our Christianity and he grafts us in to the body of believers. This is the basis. This is the basis, church, of our Christianity. This, this is the gospel. 
And what it does is it reorients our ultimate allegiances so that we can remain faithful by submitting our whole lives to the rightful king of them, Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us, by the promised Holy Spirit, hearts of devotion. So there are, there are four things in this text this morning, four things that I want us to observe that the Holy Spirit devotes us to. One, the teaching of the gospel. If you're taking notes, this is the time to do it. One, the teaching of the gospel. Two, fellowship together. Three, communion together. Four, praying together. So the teaching of the gospel, fellowship together, communion together, and praying together. God uses these ordinary means of his grace to bring about his extraordinary plans. But what do these ordinary means of grace look like? So the teaching of the gospel, what is the teaching of the gospel? If you've been here for very long, you've heard us talk about the gospel a lot. What were the apostles teaching? What are these new believers being devoted to? Well, the apostles were teaching that all of humanity had a debt that cannot be repaid on our own. That Jesus came to earth and he lived a spotless life, died on a cross, was resurrected three days later and ascended to heaven where he now lives to intercede for us who repent of our sin and place our faith in him. That's what we, that's what we sang this morning. That's the gospel. That is the basis of our devotion. Without that, without that as the foundation of our Christianity, we can do all the churchy things. All right, we, can, we can have all the events and we can even attempt to make them as extraordinary as possible, but they will fall short because they will not be based on what or rather who actually builds the church, which is Christ, our Savior. It says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the gospel, to scripture. This is one of the means of grace that God has given to us, his spoken word. This is how we become more like Christ. The Spirit of God transforms our hearts to be more like the Son of God by giving us a devotion to the very Word of God. It just makes sense. In 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul tells Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you save both yourself and your hearers. We are called to devote ourselves to the word because God saves through it. A real church devotes itself to scripture. Second ordinary means of grace that we see here is fellowship with one another. Fellowship with one another. I don't know what you guys think of when you hear the word fellowship, but my mind just goes straight to the Lord of the Rings. Like I just, I go there and and after that, it doesn't get much better. I think, about, uh, I think about the church that I grew up in. We had a fellowship hall, right? Any of you part of churches that had those before? Yeah. But what is fellowship? Because it goes beyond the Lord of the Rings, the greatest written series of all time. 
It, it goes beyond just the name of a room in a building. It's us, the people of God. We are the fellowship. We are saying that we are devoted to fellowship with God through Christ by his spirit. And therefore, we have fellowship, commonality with each other wherever we are. So fellowship is us meeting together consistently. And so it's, it's Sunday worship gatherings like this morning. It's CG nights. It's breakfast or coffee with one another. It's, it's helping one another with a house project. It's encouraging one another when we are feeling depleted. It's reminding one another of the gospel of Jesus when our faith feels stretched to its limits. Hebrews 10.25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, I wonder, I wonder what extraordinary changes we would see and experience in our own hearts if we fully committed to that. A real church is devoted to fellowship with one another. The third ordinary means of grace we see in this text is communion with one another. It says these new believers devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to the remembrance of what Christ had accomplished for them at the cross. And 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 26 shows us what communion is. It says, and when he had given thanks, meaning Jesus, he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's some bread and some juice. All right, think about that. Jesus could have used whatever he wanted to call us into remembrance of the cross, but he uses something that we all probably have at home in our pantry right now. Communion should be taking place as often as we gather together and as we eat and drink. We celebrate an intentional time of communion on the second Sunday of every month here, but that's not the only time you are allowed to take part of communion. You know that, right? Part of our communion is when we gather together in the cafe every Sunday. We eat, we drink, and we do so as a family of believers standing foundationally on the goodness of Christ. It's an extension of our communion. I remember the, the first time that Kathy uh, and I, Kathy's my wife, she's not in here today, she's serving in our three to five. Um, I remember the first time that we came to visit Substance. So it was 2014, uh, we were still over in what's now our, our zero to two classroom. And afterwards they, uh, they did the cafe, but they had a waffle bar. And I remember, I remember thinking, what is up with these people? This is kind of weird. But it's, it's actually one of the things that hooked us because we experienced a deep level of fellowship and communion. It, it felt genuine. It, it, it felt real. 
And that's why we invite you in each week to our cafe. It's not just for free food, right? It's, it's, it's an extension of our communion together. A real church is devoted to communion with one another. So the Holy Spirit devotes us to the teaching of the gospel, to fellowship with one another, to communion with one another, to the fourth ordinary means of grace that the Spirit devotes us to, praying with one another. So Colossians 4.2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So you probably noticed this this morning, but uh, we, we pray a lot here, right? Four times already, if you didn't notice, and we are not done yet. Because God calls us to prayer and thanksgiving as his people. Do you ever just think about what prayer is? All right, it's, it's freely talking to the creator of the universe. That's extraordinary. But just the act of talking, not much more ordinary than that. The average person speaks 16,000 words a day. Not much more ordinary than that. There probably isn't much more ordinary than that, and yet through God and through prayer, he does extraordinary works, does he not? God does extraordinary works through our prayer. Paul says in Philippians 4.2, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer reminds our hearts of the peace of Christ when we feel like we are drowning in the anxieties of life. We get to pray with one another, for one another. Yes, this is another shameless plug for CGs because we do this every Wednesday and Thursday night. We pray with one another. If you want real church, then by the power of the Spirit inside of you, devote yourselves to the things that the real church does. Being devoted to these ordinary means of grace is a gift of God. And it's through these faithful and consistent acts, through this devotion that the Spirit has given to us, that God brings about his extraordinary plans. We don't do the extraordinary work. God does the extraordinary work. And there are four things we see in this portion of the text that are extraordinary outcomes of faithful devotion to these ordinary means of grace. First one, awe. Awe. Secondly, unusual generosity. Third, hearts of praise. And fourth, growth. So awe, unusual generosity, hearts of praise, and growth. It says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. I think that awe is actually a, uh, it's a really hard thing for us to understand because we live in a day and age where we've actually lost some of our ability for awe, haven't we? Things that were impressive even 10 years ago are not impressive anymore. I was talking to, uh, to Ronnie about this the other day. I think about flying. 
right, something that is really only a little over 100 years old. And I don't know about you, maybe it's just because I've flown a lot, but I hop on a plane, I throw my, my headphones on, I slam the shade down, and I never really think again about the fact that I am 30,000 feet above the ground in a steel tube with wings. It's become normalized. Our Christianity should not be. It's, it's not normal. The things that God has done and is doing are not normal. They are extraordinary. But I think we need to regain our ability to see them as such. All by definition is a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. It's extraordinary, hear me, it's extraordinary if you leave here today with a greater amount of fear and wonder about God than when you came in here. Is that not an amazing act of God to give you a greater awe and wonder for his greatness? It is. We have a God that in our finite minds can't be fully understood or explained. That is, that is good news because he ceases to be God once he can be. And so pray, pray that the spirit would give you new awe for God, new reverence for Jesus. He is not your homeboy. He is your savior. He is your God. Second extraordinary thing we see God accomplish in us through these ordinary means of grace is unusual generosity. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's not normal, guys. That is an extraordinary work of the spirit to grip the heart of man, to turn him away from the love of his things and his money. Money in itself is not evil. Your possessions, they, they're not inherently sinful. But when you love them more than your God and his people, they are. We don't just naturally desire to give up our possessions. If you do not believe me, Try taking a toy from a toddler. You're, you're gonna hear the word mine. The extraordinary work of the Spirit is that he reorients our hearts to thinking of our own possessions as his and therefore ours. That is an extraordinary work, is it not? I know for a fact that many of us have been on the receiving and the giving end of unusual generosity in this body of believers. Praise God. When you tithe, you are taking part in unusual generosity. Don't, listen, don't let that become a normal, mundane thing to you. It's an extraordinary work of God. Third extraordinary thing we see God accomplish in us through these ordinary means of grace is hearts of praise. Hearts of praise. Verse 46 says, day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They had glad and generous hearts that praised God. They, they didn't just give lip service to God. Their hearts were changed. That's extraordinary. 
I can, I can muster up the strength to say all the right things and even do all the right things, but not forever. It takes a regenerated heart and the work of the Spirit to carry those out into the completion of our salvation. Do you have a heart? Do you have a heart that earnestly thanks God for the daily blessings he provides? That thing we do in the middle of our service, that prayer of thanksgiving, it's a time for us to corporately thank God together for all the blessings he provides but only because he has given us hearts that desire to do so in the first place. Do you, do you see that as a common theme in your everyday life though? Are you in the habit of praising God for the daily mundane things, for that roof over your head, for any amount of food that is in your refrigerator right now, for the money that he provided you to pay your gas bill for this month. If you do, that's extraordinary. We should praise God for our desire to praise God. You didn't muster that up on your own. God gave you that heart of praise. Thank him for it. Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20 says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statues and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Only God, only God can regenerate our hearts from hearts of stone to flesh. Only he can give us hearts of praise. Fourth extraordinary thing we see God accomplish in us through these ordinary means of grace is growth. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. I hope, I hope we know this to be true. Pastor Matt mentioned this verse last week in his sermon. Growth, growth is an extraordinary work of God. But hear me, I want you to listen. I don't just mean more church attenders. I don't mean just filling more of these seats and having better head counts. I mean actually being added to the family of God. What's it say? It says they were being added to their numbers day by day, what? Those who were being saved. That's an extraordinary work. Anyone with a few cool events and some food can draw a crowd. But only God can bring the hearts of men, women, and children from death to life. That's the kind of growth that they were experiencing. Hearts were being renewed. And by the Spirit, they were devoting themselves to the same means of grace that the rest of these believers were devoting themselves to. These are the extraordinary things that happen when the church functions faithfully in the ordinary means of the grace that God intended them to. He continues to build it up. He builds the church. And he makes those who believe that not labor in vain. Only God, church, can make the ordinary extraordinary. So what? So what's the call? 
That's great. It's great that we have all that information now, Scott. What is the call for us this morning? What is this passage actually asking of us? It's asking us to remain faithful as we wait for the return of Christ, to keep going, keep others going, not with clever and crafty ways just so we can be relevant. I said it, sorry. But with the simple and ordinary means of grace that Christ set in place for the church 2,000 years ago. Do you wonder, because I wonder, how the church just knew what to do? How did they just know to just operate in these things? It's because they just continued to do what they saw Christ doing. If these are the things that Jesus did, then these are the things the church ought to do. There will never be a ministry plan that supersedes this one. And so the call is to keep proclaiming the gospel. The good news of Christ's life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Keep fellowshipping with one another, church. Keep gathering and meeting together. Keep breaking bread together, remembering Christ and what his broken body and shed blood accomplished for us. Keep praying with and for one another in great expectancy for the return of our Savior. Keep going. Paul says in Philippians 3 to press on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is the same call for us in this passage this morning. And what happens as we remain faithful in these ordinary means of grace is that we will see the extraordinary plans of God unfold. This is what he has given to us as his people who have been devoted to the things of Christ. So keep going. Keep going, believer. If there are some of you this morning that don't yet believe in Christ, this is your invitation. And it's not to raise your hand, it's not to pray a prayer, it's not to fill out a card saying that you did any of those. It's to consider Christ. It's to pray that he would reveal to you your need for him and repentance of your sinfulness and that you would rest fully in him as your savior and you would devote yourself to the Holy Spirit's leading. And if you have questions about what that looks like, you can come talk to me. You can come talk to anybody that has been on this stage this morning. And we would love to walk with you as you begin to devote yourself to the things of Christ and the things that the real church does. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the things of that which you have given to us in Christ. We praise you for new life. And we thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. And we repent for the ways that we have attempted to add to it. I pray this morning that you would deepen our devotion by the power of your Holy Spirit inside of us. Deepen our devotion to your word, to fellowship with one another to remembering the cross and what you accomplished through Christ your son, to praying with and for one another, 
And I pray that you would give us eyes to see then the extraordinary works you accomplish through us as we faithfully carry those out. Do that work this morning, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.